This is the This Is Gonna Hurt podcast with Jay Gordon Duncan. All right, this week's passage comes from Romans 16, 25 through 27. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for the long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings uh, and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Well, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Going to need a few prayers for this one. And so, uh, Sarah, you've just been faithful. Would you pray for all, for me and for all of us as we hear the, the scriptures? some time this week obviously reflecting uh, November 1st 2012 is when I took this call so we're just there at eight years so I thought of course through memories and I thought through uh, landmarks in the history of the church and I tried to come up with an analogy about what it's like the relationship between church planter and church and so at first I thought well maybe it's like a chef where you're gathering in the ingredients to make something. But that analogy fell apart because that makes you guys like a salad or a cake or a pie. And that just didn't seem appropriate, though I am hungry. And then Amy and the girls and I this week watched Frankenstein. And I was like, that's it. But <laughs> that makes me Dr. Frankenstein and you guys the creature. And that's a little bit dark. So I didn't think that analogy worked very well. But then I thought, well, as always, simplest is best. And the analogy that seemed to fit best for me and for you is that of parent and child. As a parent, you're at that moment of birth, which is filled full of laughter and tears. And it's a combination of, of being scared to death and joyful all at the same time. And then you, you look at that child, and the child has this wide-eyed wonderment. I mean, every single thing at the beginning is exciting, and, and just uh, it's just so full of possibility. You see the world brand new through uh, this little baby. And of course, then there's the moments of awkwardness where a child learns to walk and stands up and falls down and giggles and cries. But then as the child develops, you, you can look at the child and you can see yourself in it. You can be like, oh, this child has my personality or it has my nose or my eyes. or you, you see things in which a little you is walking around. But then you just give it a little bit more time and then all of a sudden that child acquires talents and interests that are absolutely beyond you. Like you, things you never could imagine. 
And I thought that's appropriate. I mean, I can remember those early first moments of the church, the wide-eyed wonderment about what is God going to do with us here, and everything is possible, right? And then I remember the awkwardness of starting and stopping, and we started some ministries that took, and we started some things that didn't make it, or some things that kind of passed aside, and... Then I look out at you and I'm like, yes, there are areas where uh, my personality and my DNA are just indelibly stamped here. But, of course, then there's moments where the church grew in, in areas I just couldn't imagine, in ministries and passions that were beyond my design. But then we get to the point where the analogy is, is, is more painful. The design of a parent to a child is that you've train the child up and ultimately your desire is for the family to live beyond the parent and the design of God for his church is for the church to live on beyond the pastor if that wasn't the case the church would have ended somewhere in the first century the design of God is for the church to continue on and on and on and can't be bound by just one person So it's been my absolute privilege and honor for me and my wife and my family to to serve and lead you guys. That the the joy is greater than any pain or struggle. So, Evident Grace, my dear, we come to that point where it's time for the family to continue on and on. Now, I couldn't imagine two years ago when we started the Book of Romans that on the last Sunday of the Book of Romans, it would be also be mine. But what a joy providentially that our Father gives us that we get to end the Book of Romans here and Romans ends with this beautiful blessing, this benediction, this promise, this good word. You see, what Paul wanted at the very last was a blessing after all the trials of the book. I mean, he's gone through issues of creation, issues of people going to hell, issues of sexuality. He's called young Gentile Christians the strong ones, and he's called uh, the Jewish Christians the weaker ones. And He's handled issues of what's going to happen at the end of the world. He's gone through all of that. But he wants to end with a blessing. And I am by no means Paul, and you're not the Church of Rome, but it seemed a wonderful blessing for me, and I hope for you, that we get to end in a similar style. What Paul wants is he wants to strengthen the church. He wants the church to be strengthened in this passage and strengthened by the gospel because it's the thing that will continue and sustain you. If it's not the gospel that strengthens you, then it's a particular person or it's a particular structure. Or, But he doesn't want those things. He wants you to be strengthened by the work of Christ. So I'm foregoing three points in truth, application, and action today. We really don't have that amount of time. But it also gives me a bit more freedom to just kind of talk to you guys from the book of Romans, share from my heart in truthfulness. So look at verse 25. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. Anytime Paul says something like that, now to him, you know he's going into full benediction blessing mode. And he doesn't start with anything other 
than the work of God. Now to him is asking the church of Rome and asking you to put your sights upon what God has done and is doing. You see, anytime the character of God is lifted up, you are transformed. As the people of God, if the character of God is lifted up, you have to say, that is who I am, that's what I follow. Or you have to recognize issues and areas where you need to repent. Either way, the lifting up of the character of God is always intended for the benefit of the Christian. So he ends in that way. Listen, they've had their conflict, they've had their challenges, but now, to him who's able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. We stop there. What Paul wants for them is like, listen, in the midst of all that we've been through, what's going to strengthen you right now is this beautiful gospel of Jesus Christ. And what's going to strengthen you, evident grace, is that very same thing. Whether it be I or any other person who stands here and preaches to you, what's going to truly strengthen you and transform you is that gospel. That work that you are made perfect before Jesus, before the Heavenly Father by the work of Jesus Christ. Your payment of sin, your forgiveness, your conformity to the likeness of Jesus, that is done by Christ for you, and that is what will strengthen you. Paul has faithfully preached it, and the cornerstone of this church is that that grace is what's preached. What's preached by me, anyone who's ever took this place for me, or what's going to be preached in the future. Nothing else is going to strengthen you. A a, a legalism that would conform you to act and do a certain way won't strengthen you because you will fail in that area. And getting caught up into the waves of our culture as it ebbs and flows is not going to strengthen you. The gospel of Jesus Christ, that grace made evident to you, is what's going to strengthen you going forward. It has been true from the dream of this church to now and into the future. Paul says that gospel, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept for secrets for a long time ago, uh, what we've wanted to do in this service is to remind you that this has been the eternal plan of God. This outpost of the church is a continuation of God's desire to proclaim the gospel to the world. It didn't fail by the rising and fall of any pastor. It didn't fail by the, the, the hyper-godliness or the hyper-sin of any pastor. It didn't fail because of the rise and, and fall of what's going on in the culture. But you are part of the eternal plan of God. It's been His revelation from the ages that He wanted you to be here at this moment, to be strengthened yet again, For the gospel to be proclaimed to your heart and then ultimately to the world. That's what enables churches to persevere. Is a grounding in the fact that what's going on here is part of God's eternal plan. And he's intended for that church, for you the church, to continue on. Verse 26, he says, but that gospel has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations 
according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. He's saying, but right now, since we've talked about eternity past, let's talk about right now. And what God intended for Rome in that moment is to be like Christ. To grow in obedience and to be like Christ. Friends, I'm thankful that Evident Grace is a church of great theological depth. We've tackled those obscure passages in small groups and in the the worship services. We've never shied away. You've been eager to want to know what the scriptures mean. And if a church desires to obey, that means that hard issues of sin have to be dealt with. At times, you come forth and say, I'm sinning, forgive me. And then at times, your leadership comes to you and says, you're sinning. Both are necessary for a church. Your growth in obedience because of the work of the Spirit and the leadership's faithfulness to come to you, that will always be painful. If you seek a Christianity that's not painful, then you are not seeking Christianity. At times, you are going to have a clear picture of areas where you are sinning and you will confess and obey. And other times, you're going to be deceived or you're going to want it brought to you in some special way. And someone's going to have to come to you and say, I see sin. I'd like to help you walk in obedience. But part of the eternal plan of the gospel is that strong, exhortive words of the scriptures are preached to you. And if you want truth in the scriptures, then they are going to pierce your heart. Never shy away from that. Never seek an easy community. Never ever allow anyone to tickle your ears. If your community is not challenging you in sin, it is not the church or a God-like community. This church, by God's grace, has been both gracious, but strong in calling to obedience and to walk away from sin. Let's repeat, if this church isn't somewhat difficult, it's not a church. There is no Christianity without call of faith and repentance. I don't have that fear for you, Evident Grace. I don't fear that I'm going to leave and all of a sudden you're going to walk in some vagueness or some disobedience. But I will tell you, this is the moment to remind yourself that the church's call is to be like Christ. And if your call is to be like Christ, then that means the areas in your life that are not like Christ are going to be burned away. I have no fear of you. I have no fear of that. But Paul, in this blessing, exhorted Rome one last time that the call is towards obedience. You have the scriptures to remind you and to transform you. Do not be deceived by the blowing of the wind of our culture that it is more powerful or more tantalizing or more sweet than the Scriptures. It is not.
every moment of this culture, every moment of raising your children, and every moment of this church must be grounded in the truths of Scripture. Paul told, called Rome that prophetic writings, we call it the Old and New Testament. They're synonymous. But friends, as you walk forward, remember you are called by grace. This is part of God's eternal plan. And you're called to grow in obedience. Verse 27, to the only wise God be glory forever throughout through Jesus Christ. Amen. That last verse is a reminder that there is no glory for me apart from Christ. There is no glory for evident grace apart from Christ. The church could grow to a thousand, it could diminish to 25. Your job could explode with great wealth or it could be the leanest of years. You could see it as a season of great joy or it could be a season of great trials. None of that matters unless the goal in those things is to glorify Jesus Christ. I have no fear for you, evident grace. But Paul exhorted that sweet church in Rome, and I exhort you to the same. As you figure out what life is going to be like in the fall, as you do an evangelism study, as you ultimately form a committee to look for a new pastor, in months ahead, when you have that opportunity to install that pastor and welcome in that family, and that pastor gives you that first sweet message and that ultimate benediction, remind yourself, it must all be for the glory of Jesus Christ. Please, please, friends, do not let yourself ever be deceived that it's towards any other purpose. I've told the story hundreds of times. Those of you here from the beginning, and those of you who have been here recently, about how God brought us here, my family and I, through the passing of both parents and seizures and uh, the, the craziness that, that made it so that we felt we could leave North Carolina to here. And we feel as assured in this next step as we did in that one. But the assurity that we have is not one that's dependent upon our own effort, but upon the sustaining work of Jesus Christ. And we left that work in North Carolina in tears, and we leave this one in tears as well. By God's grace, we ask that you would forgive any fault or weakness on our part. We have loved you, and we do love you. And I take great joy to see that God is leading you with wonderful leaders. And I take great joy to look out knowing that each and every one of you is here. You have professed a faith in Jesus Christ, a love of his work, and a desire for his glory. I call you friends. And I call you just faithful, faithful Members who have strived along with us. I've got just a minute or two. Amy and I spent much of the week asking ourselves those stories, right? We didn't focus on the difficulties. There's enough of those. 
whether the stories of our children serving on the music team or the setup or the nursery or the projector, they're the stories about when Amy had cancer surgery and three days later she's at her father's funeral and you guys cleaned our house. <laughs> Humbling and, and humiliating all at the same time. They're the stories of you guys being an encouragement. And then there's the stories when it was just a flat out struggle. But we leave with thankful hearts. And this past week, I was speaking to someone outside the community, and he brought up, he said, you know what, Gordon, here's what I know about Evident Grace. He said, same thing I mentioned last week, you guys are a sweet serving community. He said, but you know what I know of all the people who have left, and that one scared me to death. I was like, what? He said, they didn't leave the church, they just went and served somewhere else. And I thought, what a sweet testimony. That if folks have ultimately left evident grace, they didn't abandon Christ. They just continued serving. And he said, that's rare, Gordon. It's not often that happens. What that means is that God has established the gospel strong here. And he's established you for this time. And he's established you for these next few months. So we love you. We pray for you. I will bless you in every way as a pastor, as Paul blessed Rome. But now we have this opportunity to sing, pray, take the Lord's Supper. And then our congregational meeting as we begin to look towards the future. So friends, I love you. Thank you. Let's pray. Jesus, this work is established through you. You are the hallmark the name by which we have hope. And the Spirit resides strongly among this church. And we ask for every great blessing poured out. We do ask for great numbers. We do ask for great depth. We do ask for great impact. But more than anything, Father, please give this church a great desire to continue to glorify Jesus here. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.